Rinso, R-I-N-S-O, Soapy Rich Rinso presents Boston Blackie, starring Chester Morris. What are you reading, Chief? Little Abner? No, listen to this, Matthews. Special feature of the great gems exhibit at the famous Godet Jewelers will be the incomparable star of the Nile, Emerald. One of the most precious gems in the world, so precious that George Stevens, vice president of Godet's, is personally bringing the star to Chicago from Chicago to New York. <laughs> I don't get the joke, Chief. <laughs> sure you don't, because you don't know that Boston Blackie's on the same train with George Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> Chief, I don't get it. Well, if I know my Boston Blackie, and to my great sorrow I do, he won't be able to resist a little gadget worth a cool 200 grand. I still don't see what's funny. Besides, <laughs> Blackie hasn't gone after sparklers in a long time. I know that, but I also know one thing that sparkles that's right up Blackie's alley. Yeah, what's that? Dame. Sure, Chief, but the star of the Nile ain't a dame. Yeah, but Helen Crew is. Helen Crew? Yeah, something's bound to happen on a train when it's carrying those three. George Stevens, Helen Carew, and Boston Black. Well, nobody has to lead Blackie to adventure because somehow adventure always seems to seek him out. In just a moment, we'll hear more about Blackie and the star of the Nile. You know, you can lead a soap to water, but you can't always make it give thick, rich suds. Not if it's hard water, and not if you're using one of those lazy bar or skimpy suds package soaps. No, ma'am, that's when you want Rinso. Soapy Rich Rinso on the job. You see, Rinso bubbles up in a mountains of suds, practically at the touch of water. Suds that go right to town on your clothes. Suds that get out more dirt to give you that Rinso white, Rinso bright wash. And no hard scrubbing or boiling to ruin your wash day disposition. A short soaking in Rinso suds, a few quick finger rubs on extra soiled places, and your clothes are ready to rinse. So, next wash day, whistle up a Rinso wash. A wash that's <whistles> Rinso white and Rinso bright. And now, Chester Morris and the adventures of Boston Blackie. It's obvious that an international bank should be established for reconstruction. At the United Nations Monetary and Financial Conference held at Bretton Woods, certain preliminary steps were taken. However, it is only the beginning. Oh, I see. When right. you realize that the International Monetary Fund will total around $8,500,000,000. So, but that's only the beginning. Yes, well, a small beginning. You know, I get kind of mixed up when I start counting over 850. <laughs> oh, young man, we'll all have to learn how to count in millions and billions in the post-war world. Well, that's very interesting. Oh, uh, here you are, Stuart. I'd like some dessert. Can you take this seed, miss? Oh, thank you. Never mind the dessert, Stuart. Well, I'm finished. Uh, wouldn't you rather have this chair by the window? Thank you. And uh, good day to you, young man. Thanks for your company. Well, thanks to you for the tip on the international monetary situation. <laughs> I can't wait to use it. Um, very interesting man. Mm, and very distinguished looking, too. Mm. Who is he? I don't know, but he's awfully good at counting. Is, um, is it all right if we talk? Why not? You see, my mother never told me not to talk to strangers on a train. <laughs> I like your mother. Very intelligent woman. <laughs> well, I'm no isolationist. But to make it proper, my name is Helen Carew. Oh, and mine is Boston Blackie. Mm, I've heard that name somewhere. 
Are you a baseball player? <laughs> no, why? Do you like baseball? No, not particularly. Well, uh, why did you bring up the subject? Oh, just to make conversation. Fine. Uh, let's talk about you. All right, let's. I'm a very pleased young lady on a train between Chicago and New York. Why are you pleased? Because I didn't expect conversation with my dinner. Well, do you realize that the International Monetary Fund will total about $8,500,000,000 this year? No. Yes. You see? <laughs> Uh-oh, it's back again. Excuse me, I've lost something. It can't be that $8,500,000,000. No, it was a chamois pouch. I don't see it. Uh, wait. Oh, uh... I'd better get out of the way. It isn't here. Oh, pardon me, sir. What did you lose? This is terrible. Terrible. Waiter. Waiter. Oh, it sounds important. Young man, you have no idea how important. That pouch was worth $200,000. That's a lot of money to be carrying around. It wasn't money. It was an emerald. One of the most valuable gems in the world. The star of the Nile. What a pretty name. I tell you, Inspector, I've been robbed. It was sometime during the dinner hour. The star of the Nile is missing. Okay, Mr. Stevens, I got that much from the telegram the conductor sent. Now, we'll search every passenger on the train if we have to, so calm down. Now, you say you thought you left it in the diner. Were you alone? No, a young man joined me for dinner, and then later, just before I left, a young lady was seated at our table. Mm -hmm. Friends of yours? Oh, no, just the people one meets on a train. Now, this young man, what was he like? Well, he was a clean-cut-looking chap with dark hair, a good build, nice smile. Mm, I'm not a bit surprised. And the young lady? Oh, quite attractive. As a matter of fact, the young man seemed rather taken with her. Well, Mr. Stevens, I don't think you have to worry about your star of the Nile. I might even say the situation is well in hand. Matthew should be here any moment now with the man we're looking for. Here he is, Chief. Welcome, Boston Blackie. Welcome home. <laughs> Your new home. As a matter of fact, I've prepared a special escort to take you there. Well, now, how thoughtful, Inspector. But uh, <laughs> where's the brass band? All right, come off it, Blackie. Where's the emerald? This is a great shock to me, young man. Well, it's no shock to me, sir. I, I know my Faraday. He never fails. He never fails to be dead wrong. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Blackie. But we, you were in the diner with Mr. Stevens when the emerald disappeared. Mr. Stevens? I didn't even know that was his name. Oh, now, Blackie, as if you didn't know that Mr. Stevens was vice president of Godet's and that he was carrying the Star of the Nile to New York, as if you didn't read the papers. Of course I read the papers, Inspector, but I, I was a little more interested in the fact that we'd just taken Can and Saipan. Okay, okay. Now you can tell me all about that at headquarters. Come on, Blackie. Now, look, Faraday, do you mind if I talk this over with Mr. Stevens? Whatever you have to say, you stay at headquarters. Come on. I'll be in touch with you, Inspector. Thanks again. Mm -hmm. Now, about that brass band, Blackie, I'll arrange to have one when we send you up the river. Oh, are you leaving, Mr. Blackie? Oh, oh, yes. Yes, my Uncle Faraday always brings the town car to meet me. Uncle Faraday, my aunt. Well, your Uncle Faraday must have a lot of influence. I wonder when the police are going to let the rest of us off the train. Well, Miss Carew, I'll see if I can use my influence. You see, he happens to be the police. Oh, uh, Uncle, meet Miss Carew. How do you do, Mr. Pleased Faraday? Pleased to meet you. I hope this fellow hasn't taken you in, too. Oh, no, Mr. Faraday. On the contrary, he's been very nice to me. Yeah, yeah, that's Blackie. Well, you might as well know, Miss Carew. He's being charged with the theft of the Star of the Nile. But that's impossible. Impossible? What do you mean, Miss Carew? Well, I was at the table when Mr. Stevens discovered his loss, and I'm sure that Mr. Blackie had nothing whatever to do with it. You haven't known him as long as I have, Miss Carew. You mean to tell me that Boston Blackie didn't do it? That's exactly what I mean. Well, thanks, Miss Carew, for telling the inspector something that he should have known. He usually goes the long way around. You helped him find the shortcut. <sighs> oh, you haven't gone yet, Inspector. No, I'm afraid we'll have to begin all over again, Mr. Stevens. What do you mean? 
Well, Miss Carew here has a strong alibi for Blackie, and I'm still looking for a loophole, but under the circumstances, I'm afraid I can't hold him. But you're going to do something about it, aren't you, Inspector? Well, after all, you were sure that the emerald must still be on the train. Well, that's right, Mr. Stevens, it is. That's what I tried to tell you before the inspector shut me up. Oh, so you know. Well, come on, Blackie, where is it? I didn't say I knew where. Uh, Mr. Stevens, you're rather absent-minded, aren't you? Absent-minded? Why, no. Well, perhaps uh... I'm jumping to conclusions, but, uh, of course, if you'll remember, you left the diner without paying your bill. I did? Oh, not that I minded buying your dinner, Mr. Stevens, but it occurred to me that if you were absent-minded enough to forget your dinner check, you, uh, you also might have forgotten something else. How could I forget the start of the Nile? I put it in my vest pocket just before I went into the diner. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I, are you sure you put it in your vest pocket, Mr. Stevens? Yes, yes. Well, then the whole thing's solved. Oh. You know, all during dinner, I was envying you, Mr. Stevens. I really was. You looked so cool and comfortable in that sports jacket you were wearing, and and you weren't wearing a vest, Mr. Stevens. I wasn't? Mm-hmm. Well, that's absurd. Now, now wait a minute. Oh, what's going on here? Vests, sports jackets. Come on, Blackie. Don't you remember, Mr. Stevens? Uh, let me think. I, I, I lay down to take a nap just before dinner. Yeah. I got up and dressed and... By George, you're right. The emerald must be in the vest that I packed in my suitcase. (laughs) Oh, Inspector, I'm terribly sorry to have caused you all this trouble, and you, young man, and and young lady. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Good day. (sighs) Well, how do you like that? You seem to be disappointed, Inspector. Yeah. You know, if Boston Blackie can sit next to a guy in a train that's got something worth 200 grand and not do something about it, I guess it's time I turned in my bag. <laughs> well, you should have thought of that before, Inspector. Yeah. Just think. By now, you could have had a cottage, a couple of cows, a victory garden, instead of that pet ulcer of yours. Uh, by the way, what do you call it? Boston Blackie. What else? Why, Inspector, how sweet of you, naming your first one after me. Oh. looking for you. Here's a cab coming up now. May I drop you someplace? Oh, thanks. Uh, where to, Miss Carew? Uh, the Middleton, please. Okay, driver, 48th Street off Lexington. <laughs> you don't miss a thing, do you, Mr. Blackie? Well, I, uh, I have a great appreciation for beautiful things. Oh, then you must have seen the Star of the Nile. Star of the Nile? Mm-hmm. I was talking about beautiful things, uh, such as, well, the dessert I had for dinner last night. Oh, <laughs> I was just marveling at how clever you were, helping Mr. Stevens to find his emerald. Well, it isn't hard to find something that was never lost, Miss Carew. And, uh, incidentally, thanks for putting in a good word for me with the inspector. Oh, don't mention it. By the way, hmm? I'll, uh, I'll bet there's another thing your mother forgot to warn you about. Oh? Accepting dinner invitations from a young man in a taxi cab. <laughs> I told you not to disturb me, Miss Everett. I'm too busy to see... Oh, who are you? Louis. Louis? Yeah. Miller said you wanted to see me. Oh, uh, oh yes, Mr. Louis. Uh, won't you sit down? Now, look, let's get this straight, Mr. Stevens. I don't know you, but Miller said you had a job for a guy with uh, fingers. Well, I wouldn't exactly put it that way, Mr. Louis. And another Louis. thing, Mr. Stevens. This is strictly business. Miller says you want me to open up a safe down at Godet's and lift the hunk of jewelry. Well, now... Uh... And what's more, Mr. Stevens? I know you're vice president of Godet's. That's your business, but it ain't mine. And if you're worrying about what might happen, you're in a swell spot. After all, who'd the judge believe, me or you? Well, I'm glad we understand each other, Mr. Louis. The emerald has already been deposited in the Godet vault, and since the exhibit will open tomorrow, there's no reason for any further delay.
Okay, Blackie. Did you hear me calling you? Well, vaguely. To be honest with you, Shorty, I had my mind on somebody else. Well, boss, I just heard something I thought you'd be interested in. Yeah? You know, you were telling me about that emerald mixed up on the train? Yeah. Well, I just got a tip, see? Somebody's going to crack the Godet safe for that emerald. When? Midnight. How straight was this tip, Shorty? A very reliable tip, boss. Uh, a fingers told me. Fingers? Oh, that's too big a job for him. He's only got ten. Well, that's what the man said. He said that. That small-time safe cracker. I guess I'd better go down and help him out. But uh, before business, pleasure. Well, for once, Miss Carew, I can't blame Faraday. After all, he, he brought us together. Brought us together? Yes. What do you mean? Well, if he hadn't accused me, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to vouch for me. And, well, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to show you my appreciation. Oh, I see. Well, the whole thing was a little silly anyway. Oh, well, not altogether. Faraday has the memory of an elephant and the persistence of a little beaver. And looks like both of them. <laughs> if anything happens, it's got to be Boston Blackie. Oh, that's a nuisance, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Faraday hounds me, but it's good to have him around at the wind-up. Blackie, I don't quite make you out, but I like you. Thanks. I, uh, I hope that's an understatement. Well, I'm surprised the police are so suspicious of you. Oh, that's the story of my life. You see, Faraday has good instincts, only he picks the wrong person. If he knew, for instance, that tonight I may have something to do with robbing a vault... He'd become suspicious right away. But of course you haven't anything to do with that. But of course I have. Only it's not as bad as it sounds. Oh, now I'm really puzzled. Well, the only puzzle is, uh, why don't I spend the rest of the evening with you? Meaning that you have to leave? Meaning that I have an important conference about something green and something Egyptian. Oh, I see. But like the Sphinx, you won't talk. Perhaps I'll have something to tell you later. <laughs> I'll get your coat. Oh, thanks. I have to phone. But don't make any dates for the next month. <laughs> I want to put in my bed first. Hello? Operator, give me Madison 72772. Hello? Inspector, this is Helen Carew. I just had dinner with Boston Blackie. We're leaving now. He's dropping me off at my hotel. He's going down to go days. He's after the emerald. And, Inspector, if you should happen to catch him, please don't mention me. <laughs> The flowers that bloom in the summer have nothing on your pretty cotton washable dresses, ladies. Not when it comes to eye-filling loveliness. And say, you were particular to pick out just the dresses you wanted, weren't you? Well, then you ought to be just as particular about your soap. That's when you want Rinso. Wash after wash, Rinso leaves your clothes bright and new-looking because those power-packed suds get out more dirt. Yes, you'll be proud of your Rinso wash. I bet you'll join our chorus of women who have learned to sing their way through wash day like this. Rinse white, rinse white, happy little wash day song. Rinse white, rinse white, birdie sing it all day long. Your fine feathered friend has a message to send, so listen, you can't go wrong. Rinse white, rinse white, happy little wash day song. So get Rinse tomorrow. And now back to Chester Morris and the adventures of Boston Blackie. <laughs> Boston Blackie, unaware that Helen Carew has tipped off Inspector Faraday as to his destination, is en route to Godet's Jewelers to try to prevent the robbery of the vault there and to discover who is back of the attempt to steal the famous Star of the Nile emerald. It is midnight at the Godet Vault. It's no use, Louis. It's one of them new style vaults. I can't make it out. Well, we got dynamite. I have to use it. I don't like a noisy job, but where is it? I left it out in the alley, boss. Now go get it. Okay, I'm going. Try again, fingers. Stevens is paying off plenty. Well, I'm nervous. This is a big job, boss. <laughs> Too big for you, fingers. Okay, stay where you are. 
Boston Blackie. That's right. What were you saying about a certain Mr. Stevens? <laughs> now, look, Blackie, let's be sensible about this. Well, we're having a little trouble cracking this crib. Yeah. I'll make a better look. Yeah, I'll bet you can't open it. Are you kidding, thing is? I'll make a good bet. All right. So it'll pay you to try. Well, I'll make a bet with you. Not the kind of a bet that'll pay you in money, but it might save a few years of your life. Yeah? Yeah, all you have to do is talk. Yeah, we'll talk, Blackie. And drop your rod first. Oh, so you got a little playmate. Okay, take your gun away from my back. Get it, Louie. I get it. You know, Blackie, this is a happy coincidence. As I said before, we can use you. Only now the bet's off. You're just gonna do it. Come on, get those fingers working. And, uh, and suppose these fingers can't open the vault. And the next time you go to buy gloves, you better look for mittens. <laughs> Come on, take a good look at the crib. Oh, a beautiful job. <laughs> you know, Faraday should see me now. Okay, stand back and keep quiet. Yeah, we'll be quiet, all right, but it's up to you, Blackie. This gun can make a lot of noise. Wait a minute. It feels like, uh... Ah, there's one. Now let's try this. Uh-huh, next one. Oh, now that's two. Now... Open up! Open up or we break this door down! Come on, it's the law! It's the cops! Yeah, yeah, Miller, is the alley door open? Yeah, and Joe's coloring out there. Okay, let's beat it. Now, what about Blackie? Ah, forget about Blackie, come on. Okay, okay, come on. Hey, hurry now, Chief! Stop, Blackie, or we'll shoot! I warned you, Blackie. Hey, this isn't Blackie. Hey, who are these other two? Oh, Louie, huh? Yeah, Fingers and Miller. Hey, what is this, a national convention? Where's Blackie? How'd you know Blackie was going to be down there, Faraday? A little bird told me, but where is he? Well, now, I don't expect you to believe this, Inspector, but so help me. We were passing by the alley, and we heard a noise, and we come in. Naturally curious, you understand? Yeah. And who do you suppose was starting to crack that vault? Don't tell me, Boston Blackie? Yeah. Well, then, what are we doing out here in the alley? He couldn't have gotten away. Yeah, Chief, there's only two doors to that room. We came through this one. Hey, so he better be back in that vault room. That's right. Eddie, watch these mugs here. Right. Come on, Matthews, let's have a look. Ain't in here, Chief. Ain't in here. Oh, I can see for myself, Matthews. I can see for myself. Must have slipped through the door before we came in. Matthews, you're fired. Me, Chief? I ain't done nothing. That's the trouble. You never do anything. I'll see if the vault's open, Matthews. Okay, Chief. Now, lock tight in the drum. There ain't a mark on it. Looks like we saved the emerald for go days, huh, Inspector? Yeah, but I wish somebody had saved Blackie for me. Matthews, I hate to say it, but we gave Blackie a break. We came in just in time to save him from getting into trouble. I just wanted to thank you, Inspector, for preventing the robbery last night and catching the thieves. Don't mention it, Mr. Stevens. Uh, tell me, did they have a chance to open the vault? Nope. We were Johnny on the spot. They never even got started. Well, Inspector, I can't thank you enough for the fine job you've done. Mm, fine job. Nothing ever happens. Nobody steals anything. Listen, Mr. Stevens, if somebody should steal that emerald and I catch him, then you can thank me. <laughs> what burns me up is that Boston Blackie was down there, too, but he got away. Boston Blackie, he got away? Are yeah. you sure the vault wasn't opened? Sure, we tried it. It was locked tight. Well, that's fine, but uh, to be on the safe side, I'd better check up. I'll go right down to the vault myself. Mm. But I tell you, Faraday, it's gone. The emerald's gone. I just searched the vault. It's gone. That's great. I've really got Boston Blackie now. Don't worry, Mr. Stevens. Calm down. You'll get your star, and I'll get Boston Blackie. 
So that's what happened, Helen. Faraday collected three mugs, and he didn't seem pleased about but it. Blackie, how did you get out? Well, while Faraday was rounding up the other mugs, I got the last number of the vault's combination, you see. Mm-hmm. I opened the door and stepped in and then closed it. But you might have been locked in. I was locked in, fortunately, because somebody tried the handle of the vault later. Hmm. You see, Helen, modern vaults have an anti-hold-up device. What's that? Oh, it's a sort of gimmick that locks the door from the inside. Mm-hmm. Well, I just pushed the lever. After they left, I slipped out through the alley door. What were you after, Blackie? I told you before. Something green and something Egyptian. The star of the Nile Emerald, of course. Did you find it in the vault? Yes. Oh. But I didn't take it. I just wanted to make sure it was there. You didn't take it. Blackie, I don't understand you. Now, look, somebody's after the star of the Nile, and if he gets it, somebody's going to take the rap for it. Could be me, but that's not the point. Nobody's going to take a rap for somebody else while I'm around. You're talking about somebody. Who? I'll find that out. But first, I want to have a talk with Mr. Stevens at his hotel. Perhaps he has an idea. Goodbye, Helen. Next time, I promise you, we won't have any outside interference. Operator, give me Madison 72772. Hello? Helen Carew speaking. Oh, the inspector isn't there? Well, then I want to leave a message. Tell him that Boston Blackie is on his way to the Cavanaugh Hotel to see Mr. Stevens. I can't wait for the inspector to call back, so tell him I'm going to see Stevens, too, right now. But try to get the inspector there as quickly as you can. Slow down, there. Okay, you can march in step with me and Matthews now. Oh. You're taking your afternoon constitutional, gentlemen? What were you doing back there at the Middleton apartment, Blackie? Now, Inspector, you're privileged to know anything about my public life. Mm-hmm. But I insist that you don't interfere in my private affairs. Hmm. Well, this is a little private affair that I am interfering in. Oh. You're under arrest for stealing the Star of the Nile. What, again? And no alibi this time, either. You were down at the Good Day vault with Louie and the two other guys. I got them and searched them, but you got away. Now, somebody got that emerald out of the vault. Come on. Shake your leg, Blackie. Hey, I didn't say stop. I said go. Police. Police, I've what? been robbed. You have you who, who robbed oh, Have you gone nuts, Blackie? Let me go, police. Oh, cut it out. What is it? Who robbed me? Who robbed me? Help. Now, listen, you all really give it to you. Hey, he's chasing me. Oh, he, he's gone. Matthews, why don't you help me out of this mob? Hey, folks, look, I'm a police inspector. Honest, I am. Matthews, quick, shoot it, Blackie. Hey, listen, all of you, stand back. Lay off that fella. He's a police. That's Matthews. He's police, too. Thanks, Chief. Say, did Blackie get away? Yeah. Matthews, you're fired! coming here, Mr. Stevens. Miss Carew, why should Mr. Blackie come to see me at my hotel? Besides, I'm confident that by this time, Inspector Faraday has made sure that the young man is no longer a free agent. Perhaps, yes, perhaps you're right, but, well, I'm not sure the inspector is right in what he's doing. Oh, now, Miss Carew, it's quite obvious that you have an attachment for Mr. Blackie, and if the police have taken him, I won't have to worry about the Star of the Nile any longer. But the police haven't taken me, Mr. Stevens. Boston Blackie. And incidentally, if I knew how much the Star of the Nile would be worth to you, I, uh, I might listen to reason. Blackie. Hello, Miss Carew. I rather expected you'd be here, too. I wouldn't try to phone, Mr. Stevens. You really don't want the police to come up here. Why not? Because it would be very embarrassing for you. And besides, it would be very embarrassing if I had to use this gun. Blackie, look. Oh, Helen, don't. Helen, why did you knock the gun out of my hand? Because you had me fooled for a while, but I'm finally beginning to understand you, Blackie. All right, the two of you stand still and put your hands up high. Oh, so you have a gun, too, Mr. Stevens. Is, uh... Is that to guard the emerald you stole from your own vault? Mr. Stevens took the emerald? Yes. Usually when people want to steal something, they just steal it. But Mr. Stevens had to do it the hard way. But you made it much easier for me, Mr. Blackie. You see, you were in the vault, and now everybody will know that Boston Blackie stole the emerald. But just one thing I'd like to know, Mr. Stevens. Why does a vice president of a large firm like Godet's have to steal a piece of...
of jewelry. Well, there's an ugly word for it, embezzlement. I'm awfully oh. sorry, Miss Carew. Sorry that you came here tonight because no one else can know what you two know now. I'm going to have to kill you. Come on, Stevens, give me that gun. Stay where you are. I want that gun, Stevens. Blackie, don't. I told you to stay where you are. Now look, you can't pull that trigger. Get back! Get back! Thanks, Helen, for sending the message. Yeah, Inspector, I think Mr. Stevens will go with you now. Oh, Stevens? Yes, Inspector, and thanks for putting Helen on this case. We've got your man. Come on, let's go. No, I won't go. I can't go. Huh? I've gone long enough. I can never catch up. For years now, I've been running after myself, running away from something. I couldn't stop, but I've got to stop. You'll never get me, I tell you. I've got to stop. Here, here. Well, we got what we were looking for, but I can't say I'm very happy about it. Faraday, this time I've really got to thank you. <laughs> Don't kid me, Blackie. No, on the level. You saved my life. <laughs> you know, it's the first time in ten years that I've been scared. Really? Well, you know, Stevens might have pulled that trigger. No such luck. Oh, very funny. <laughs> yes, he'd have shot Helen and me if you hadn't knocked on the door. He had only one other way out, Faraday, and because you came in, he took that way. <laughs> Always blaming it on me, huh? <laughs> now, look, Inspector, won't you miss me a teeny little bit? Does a guy miss a headache? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Helen, you really had me fooled. Hmm? But let me give you a tip. The next time you call Madison 72772, you better be inside a telephone booth. What? You remember when we were out for dinner the first time? Yeah. Well, I went to get your coat, and as I was leaving, I heard you ask the operator for Madison 72772. My private number. Sure. Only a few people know that number, and I'm proud to be one of them. So you knew I was working for the inspector. Sure, but that didn't matter. You already had your hooks in me, and I couldn't get loose. Well, perhaps now you'd like me to unhook you? Oh, honey, with you, anything goes. By hook or by crook. I suppose it's your business if you want to make a big job out of dishwashing, but I'd like to butt in just the same because I feel you don't really like to spend a lot of time at the kitchen sink, and you don't have to if you put Rinso to work for you. Those peppy Rinso suds get your dishes sparkling bright so easily that there's not much point in scraping and scouring with the lazy suds of some soaps. And Rinso's so economical, too. Just a little Rinso goes a long, long way. So better get Rinso tomorrow for dishwashing, for all the soap and water jobs around the house, and for a wash that's <whistles> Rinso white and Rinso bright. <laughs> And now a glimpse at next week's adventure of Boston Blackie. Here it goes. What a crack-up. Them plainclothes cops in that car, they never going to interrupt another one of our hijack jobs. Plainclothes cops? <laughs> there ain't no cops. The driver of the car that just wrapped around a telephone pole is Boston Blackie. <laughs> Friends, millions of tons of paper are needed to ship ammunition and blood plasma, so vitally necessary in the winning of this war. Do your share to see that our boys get the material they need. Save paper. The need is terribly urgent. Now, one simple way to help is to take your own shopping bag to the grocers. Be sure to listen in at this same time next week for another exciting adventure with Boston Blackie. You can see Chester Morris as Boston Blackie on the screen at your favorite movie theater. Boston Blackie's latest Columbia picture is One Mysterious Night, soon to be released. Richard Lane appears as Inspector Faraday, music by Charles Cornell. This is Harlow Wilcox saying goodnight for Boston Blackie, brought to you by the makers of Rinso, the soap that gets clothes... <whistles>
And when you get Rinse-O tomorrow, buy some Life Boy, too. Use Life Boy in your daily bath or shower. You'll love that rich, purifying lather. You know, of seven leading brands, Life Boy gives you the most soap for your money. And besides, it's the only soap especially made to stop... This is the National Broadcasting Company. Cookies. Patty Cake Cookies. Patty Cake Baker, you're a famous man. Well, all I do is bake them just as good as a can. What did you seek for Mr. Patty Cake Man? A sample of them, ladies. One from each pan. Children's not shoving. There's more in the oven. Hey, Mom! Put Patty Cake Cookies on your shopping list. Oatmeal, chocolate chip, and sugar mist. I'm seeing varieties on your market shelf. Why, they're so good, you're lucky I don't eat them all myself. Patty Cake Cookies. 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 Well, to tell the truth, I sample them two from each pound. Combs will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family... The family that took time to bring you good wine invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And you know something? I had an adventure tonight I wish you could have shared with me. I had a steak about, oh, an inch and a half thick, tender, juicy, and with it I had a glass of Petri California Burgundy. Now there's a combination, steak and Petri Burgundy. That Petri Burgundy is a perfect mealtime wine. It's a rich red wine that's hearty and full of flavor. Flavor that comes right from the heart of the grape. And don't think that Petri Burgundy is only good with steak. It'll make a hamburger sandwich taste like a feast, too. Try Petri Burgundy with any meat or meat dish. It's just wonderful. And serve it proudly, too, because after all, the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. Now I know Dr. Watson's waiting for us, so let's go in and join him. Come in, come in, come in, come in. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. You're quite muffled up tonight, I see. Overcoat, scarf, and gloves. Slip them off and come and join me by the fire. Thanks, Doctor. It's quite a nip in the air tonight. Yes, there is indeed. Well, Doctor, you told us last week that tonight's story centered around the activities of a brilliant and beautiful woman. Yes, my boy. Her name was Irene Adler. But I never knew Holmes refer to her by any other name than the woman. She sounds mighty intriguing. Uh, how did you happen to meet up with her? Well, I'll tell you the story from the beginning. One night, it was on the 20th of May in 1888, to be exact, I was returning home from a visit to a patient when my steps led me through Baker Street. Since my marriage, I haven't seen much of Sherlock Holmes. And, and you couldn't uh, resist stopping by at 221B, I'm sure, Doctor. <laughs> of course I couldn't. As I stood outside the well-remembered door... I looked up at the lighted windows and saw the tall, spare figure of my old friend, 
passed twice in dark silhouette against the blind. He was pacing the room swiftly, eagerly, with his head sunk on his chest and his hands clasped behind him. To me, who knew every mood of his and habit of his, his attitude and manner told their own story. He was hot on the scent of some new problem. I rang the bell, and a few moments later, found myself standing before him. You look in splendid shape. Yes, Holmes, I'm feeling very well, thanks. And in practice again, I see. You didn't tell me that you'd gone back into harness. Oh, and how did you know? Elementary, my dear chap. If a gentleman walks into my rooms, smelling of iodoform, with uh, a black mark of nitrate of silver on his right forefinger and a bulge on the left side of his hat to show where he's uh, secreted his stethoscope, I should be dull indeed if I didn't pronounce him to be an active member of the medical profession. <laughs> Just the same as ever, Holmes. By the way, I'm... Uh... Not interrupting you. Well, you are, old fellow, but it's, um, it's a most welcome interruption. You're working on a new case? Um, it looks like it. This letter arrived by the last post today. It's undated and has neither signature nor address. Read it. Let's oh, so look. There will call upon you tonight at a quarter to eight o'clock a gentleman who desires to consult you upon a matter of the very deepest moment. Your recent services to one of the royal houses of Europe have shown that you are one who may safely be trusted. This account of you we have from all quarters received. <laughs> uh, be in your chamber, then, at that hour, and do not take it amiss if your visitor wears a mask. It's got it. It's all very mysterious. What do you imagine it means? Look carefully at the note, old fellow. What do you deduce from it? Well, now, let me think. Well, the man who wrote it was presumably well-to-do. Such paper couldn't be bought under half a crown a packet. And it's peculiarly... Strong and, and stiff. Peculiar. That's the very word. It's not an English paper at all. Hold it up to the light. Don't you notice anything? Yes. There's a large E with a small G and, and a large G with a small T. That's right. Woven into the text of the paper. What does that suggest to you? The name of the maker, no doubt, or perhaps his monogram. Not at all, my dear fellow. The G with the small T stands for Gesellschaft, which is the German for company. And the E-G? That stands for Igria. It's a German-speaking country in Bohemia, not far from Carlsbad. Oh, so the paper was made in Bohemia? Undoubtedly, my dear fellow. And the man who wrote the note is a German. How do you know that? Observe the curious construction of the sentence, This account of you we have from all quarters received. A Frenchman or a Russian could not have written that. Hmm? It's the German who is so discourteous to his words. Oh, there's your clown now. I'd I, I better go home. No, 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 unless you have to. Well, I... I could stay. I thought that Ben, stay, you... old chap. I'm lost without my Boswell, and this promises to be interesting. I, um, I told Mrs. Hudson to let the masked visitor come upstairs unannounced. Come in. Good evening, sir. You, uh, you received my note? Yes, indeed, sir. Come in, won't you, and sit down. This is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. You may say anything before him that you can say to me. Whom have I the honor to address? You may address me as uh, Count von Kram. How do you do, sir? You must excuse this mask that I wear. Uh, the august person who employs me wishes his agent to be unknown to you, and uh, I may confess at once that the title by which I have just called myself is not exactly my own. I'm well aware of that fact, sir. You see, uh, Mr. Holmes, uh, the matter I am about to discuss uh, implicates the great house of Ormstein, hereditary kings of uh, Bohemia. That has not escaped me either, sir. In fact, if you will state your case, I shall be the better able to advise you. Your Majesty. Uh, how did you... Yes. Yes, I am the king. Why should I attempt to conceal it? Why, indeed? I shall remove the mask. There. Mr. Holmes, 
I have traveled incognito from Prague for the express purpose of consulting Then you. pray consult. Briefly, the facts are these. Some five years ago, uh, during a visit to Warsaw, I made the acquaintance of the well-known adventuress, Irene Adler. Irene Adler? We know of her, Your Majesty. Uh, look her up in the index for me, will you, Watson? Yes, it's right beside you on the desk there. I uh, imagined that the name would not be unfamiliar Here to you. Here we are. A. Abraham's Acton Green Hatchet Murders. Adler, Adler. Splendid, splendid, old fellow. Hand me the file, will you? Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Irene Adler, born in New Jersey in the United States in 1858. Contralto. Mm-hmm. Prima donna Imperial Opera of Warsaw. Mm-hmm. Retired from the operatic stage, living in London. Quite so. And here's a recent notation, uh-huh. Your Majesty, as I understand, became entangled with this young person, wrote her some compromising letters, and is now desirous of getting those letters back. Precisely so, but how did... Was there a secret marriage? None. No legal papers or certificates? No. Then I fail to follow, Your Majesty. If this young lady should produce her letters for blackmailing purposes, how is she to prove their authenticity? There is the handwriting. Well, that could be a forgery, Your Majesty. But it was private note paper. Stolen. My own seal. Imitated. My photograph. Bought. What? We were bought... In the photograph. Oh, dear, oh, dear. That's very bad. Your Majesty has indeed committed an indiscretion. Uh, did you inscribe the photograph, Your Majesty? Uh, yes, Dr. Watson. I'm afraid I did. Uh, Mr. Holmes, it must be recovered. Perhaps if you were to pay enough, the photograph might be bought. She refuses to sell. Oh, stolen, then. Uh, five attempts have been made. Twice burglars in my pay ransacked our house. Once we diverted her luggage when she traveled. Twice she has been waylaid. There has been no result. Oh, dear. It's quite a pretty little problem. Uh, it is a deadly serious one to me. Your Majesty, what does Miss Adler intend to do with the photograph? To ruin me. Oh, how? Well, I, uh, I'm about to be married to the second daughter of the King of Scandinavia. She is the soul of delicacy. A shadow of a doubt as to my conduct would bring the matter to an end. Mm. And Irene Adler threatens to send the photograph to your fiancé, I suppose. Yes, and she will do it. Rather than let me marry another woman, there are no lengths to which she would not go. None. Are you sure that she's not already sent it, Your Majesty? I am sure. Now, why, Your Majesty? She said uh, that she would send it on the day my betrothal is publicly announced. That day will be next Monday. Splendid. Then we have still um, three days yet. Uh, Your Majesty will, of course, stay in London for the present. Certainly. You will find me at the Langham Hotel, registered as uh, Count von Kram. Just two questions before you leave, sir. But are they? Is the photograph large or small? Quite large. And uh, it was in a heavy frame. I see. And what is Miss Irene Adler's London address? Brioni Lodge, Serpentine Avenue, St. John's Wood. Uh, thank you, Your Majesty. Good night, and I trust we shall soon have some good news for you. I am placing all my hopes in you, Mr. Holmes. Good night. Good night, Dr. Watson. Uh, good night, Your Majesty. Fascinating problem, Holmes. I, I wish I could help you with it. You can, my dear chap. Huh? I shall be glad of your company. Oh, splendid. Uh, what's our first move, Holmes? Well, a good night's rest, I think. We'll meet here at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And then? Then, my dear fellow, we will see what we can find out about Miss Irene Adler, late of the Warsaw Imperial Opera Company and at present residing at Bryony Lodge, Serpentine Avenue, St. John's Wood. <laughs> The examination of Brownie Lodge didn't prove very illuminating. No, a bijou residence that represents the essence of dignified suburbia, but tells us very little about its owner. 
I think a visit to the local public house might prove more instructive. Come on, old chap. I see the door to the coach and horses inviting us from across the road. Well, our disguises shouldn't cause any suspicion, Holmes. That's why I suggested them. In the character of a couple of stable hands, I felt that we might inspire confidence. This is a horsey neighborhood. There's a wonderful sympathy and Freemasonry among the fraternity. There we are. Better let me do most of the talking. Yes, I will indeed. I'm sure that your accent will be more convincing than mine. Let's go in, shall we? <laughs> Mateys. Half a bout of mall, please. Uh, how about you, Charlie? All ever same? Yeah. Two halves of old and mild. <laughs> well, here you are, mateys. That'll be a tenner. Uh, have a drink with us, Governor. Oh, don't mind if I do. <laughs> I'll have a Guinness. You uh, blokes new round here? Yes, that's right. Come over from Clapham. Clapham, eh? Uh, <laughs> well, here's looking at you. Ah. <clears throat> Hunting for jobs? That's right. Uh, we was told that Miss Idler across at Briony Lodge needed a new coachman and a groom. Well, it's the first time I've heard of it. Might be true. Uh, have you been over there to ask? No, not yet. We thought we'd find out something about the old girl first. <laughs> she ain't no old girl, matey. <laughs> She's the prettiest young thing you ever saw under a bonnet, and that's a fact. You know her, Governor? Why, of course I know her. Used to drive her carriage, I did. Before uh, uh, I uh, came to work here. Oh, what's she like? Oh, nice little lady, as you'll find, chum. A work yard? No, no, no. She, uh, she lives quiet, like. Uh, goes out uh, singing at concerts once in a while. The rest of the time, it's money for Jim. She goes out for a drive in the park every day at five and comes back to dinner at 6.30. The rest of the time's your own. She ain't married, you say? No, no. But uh, she's got a bloke what comes to see her all the time. Uh, he's a barrister. Nice gentleman. Uh, Mr. Geoffrey Norton is his name. Good-looking fella. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him get spliced. <laughs> Sounds like a cushy job to me. Come on, Charlie. Let's get out of the house and see what's what. Much obliged to you, chum. Well, <laughs> good luck, mateys, and, good luck, mate. <laughs> and thanks for the dinners. What's our next move, Holmes? Let's stroll back to Brownie Lodge. I'm undecided whether to continue my investigation there or to try and find out something about Mr. Geoffrey Norton, the barrister. If he's just her lawyer and nothing else, it's more than likely that she's entrusted the photograph to his safekeeping. Uh, hello. There's a cab waiting outside Miss Adler's house. Hurry, Watson. Maybe Mr. Norton's. Here, here we are at the gate. Yes. Here comes a man hurrying down the pathway. Quick. Flatten yourself behind this post. Listen. Where to now, Mr. Norton? Drive like the devil. First to Gross and Hankey's in Regent Street, and then to the Church of St. Monica in the Edgeware Road. Half a sovereign if you do it in 20 minutes. Right, Charles, Mr. Norton, up in. Crowd and signal the cab, Watson. We must follow him. Well, here comes one. Oh, no, it isn't. It's, it's a private carriage. It's heartless, no doubt. Here she comes down the pathway. Back behind the post again, Watson. Where to, Miss Adler? The Church of St. Monica's, John. And half a sovereign if you reach it in 20 minutes. James Foot Watson, quick! We must get a cab and follow them. Here comes a handsome. Hi, cabby, cabby! Here! You blokes got enough money to take a cab? Here's a half sovereign for you, my man. Right you are. Where to, Governor? The Church of St. Monica. 
in the Edgware Road. And another half sovereign for you if you get us there in 20 minutes. We'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a second, but let me tell you something. If you're going to have chicken for dinner tomorrow night, or any night, don't forget to serve that chicken with Petri California Sauterne. Believe me, Petri Sauterne is just about the last word in white wines. It's beautifully golden in color, it's delicate and intriguing in flavor, and it's just, <laughs> well, you taste it and see for yourself. If you want a delicious white wine, you certainly want a Petri Sauterne. Well, doctor, once again, you broke off your story at the most exciting point. Did uh, you and Sherlock Holmes reach that church inside the 20 minutes? Yes, Mr. Bartell, we did, but the other carriages were there before us. Holmes went into the church after telling me to guard the outside. I must have waited for 10 minutes or more before Mr. Jeffrey Norton and Miss Adler came out, spoke a few words to each other, and then left in their separate conveyances. A moment later, Holmes, still dressed as a stable hand, came striding out of the church and down the steps towards me. He was obviously very excited. Watson! Watson! Have they left? Yes, in separate cabs. I overheard him say that he was going back to his office. And she said, I shall drive out in the park and, at five this evening. Splendid, old fellow. Then come on, we can return to Baker Street. Uh, what happened inside the church? Home? They were married. Married? Of course. The ceremony would have been illegal if it had been performed after noon. That accounted for their wild dash to the church, jumping to the cab. Where to now, Governor? 221B Baker Street. Oh, so they, they got married, eh? Yes, and it may amuse you to know that I acted as witness at the ceremony. Oh, you did? But how did that happen? Their, their own witness had failed to appear and I was dragged into the breach. The uh, bride gave me the sovereign as a memento. I uh, think I'll wear it on my watch chain in memory of the occasion. What an amazing situation. Things begin to look better for the king, don't they? Yes. Now that she's Mrs. Norton, the chances are that she won't want to expose his majesty after all. I hope so, Watson. I hope so. But we can't afford to take any chances. I think the time is right for us to come to closer grips with the lady. Well, Holmes, now that we've eaten, perhaps you'll tell me your plan. With pleasure, my dear fellow. And while I'm so doing, I'll proceed with applying the makeup for my new disguise. Another disguise? What's it to be this time? I think the character and appearance of an amiable and simple-minded nonconformist clergyman would be most suited to my plan for entering Miss Adler's house. Are you going to try and enter, then? I must, dear fellow. Yes, huh? I'm sure the photograph is there. Miss Adler, or rather Mrs. Norton, will return from her drive in the park at 6.30. We must be at Briony Lodge to meet her. And what then? You must leave that to me. I've already made my arrangements. There is only one point on which I must insist. You must not interfere, come what may, you understand? I'm to remain neutral. Yes, there will be some small unpleasantness. Don't join in it. It will end in my being conveyed into the house. As soon as I'm able to, I shall open one of the windows. You have to watch from the outside. When I raise my hand, you will throw an object which I shall give you through the window and at the same time cry fire. Follow me? Entirely, but what am I to throw? Oh, it's nothing very formidable. Here it is. Huh, looks like a great big cigar. What is it? Just an ordinary plumber's smoke rocket, fitted with a cap at each end to make it self-lighting. Your task is confined to throwing it through the window. When you raise the cry fire, it will be taken up by quite a number of people. We then walk to the end of the street and I'll rejoin you in ten minutes. I hope I've made myself clear. Perfectly. Good. And now, old fellow, as soon as I've done my clerical attire, let's be on our way. There's no time to be lost. <laughs> Thank you. 
Nearly 6.30, Holmes. We've been pacing up and down in front of her house for half an hour now. I hope she does come back. I'm sure she will. There seem to be a lot of loafers hanging around her gate. All part of my conspiracy, old chap. You'll see them play their parts in a few minutes. You still think the photograph is inside the house? Yes, I'm sure of it. Hmm? It's most unlikely that she carries it about with her. Remember, the king told us it was a, a large frame picture. And also remember that she'd planned to use it within a few days. It must be where she can lay her hands on it. It must be inside her house. But her house has been burgled twice. They don't know how to look. Well, how will you look? I won't. I'll get her to show me. She'll refuse. Well, she won't be able to... Shh. Get up to the carriage now. Remember, Watson, carry out my orders to the letter. Yes, you can trust me, Holmes. Good luck. Blimey, here comes the Duchess of Tillowigs. Let's put out the carpet. She might get her tootsies wet. Ah, oh, put her sock in it, Elfie. Leave him alone. She's no better than she ought to be. Let me through. I live here. Well, ain't that nice? We'll all come in and have a cup of cocoa. Move out of the way, please, and let the lady through. Mind your own business. Just because your collar's turned the wrong way, you can't spoil our fun. That's right, Eddie. Keep your nose out of it, Parson. Please, please don't fight about it. I tell you to stop molesting the lady. Do ya? Then how would you like a biff in the nose? <laughs> oh, he hit the poor man. Then he ran away, the coward. Is the clergyman badly hurt? He hit his head, but when he fell, if you ask me, he's hurt bad. He's bleeding something terrible. Can we bring him in, Mum? He can't lie here in the street. Why, of course. Bring him in. Right you are, Mum. Here, Bert. Right out. Give us a hand. Uh, anyway, uh, Oh, poor fella. Do you see what happened to him, mister? Yes, I saw my good woman. A very convincing demonstration. What do you mean? Uh, weren't you paid by a, a certain gentleman for this performance? Oh, Yen knows about it too. Yeah, you must be a friend of Mr Sherlock Holmes. Yes, um, I am. Nice gentleman. He give us five bob apiece for tonight's work. It ain't through yet, though. We got to start yelling fire when somebody tells us. I'm that somebody, my dear lady. There's Mr. Holmes now. He's inside the house. Yes, he's opening a window. Now he's raising his hand. That's my signal. Now to throw the rocket. Uh, there we are. Ah! Holmes, there you are. You have the photograph? No. I know where it is. She showed me as I told you she would. I'm still in the dark. There's no mystery, old chap. When my accomplices started the round the street, I had a little moist red paint in my hand. As my good friend Alfie pretended to strike me, I clapped my hand to my head and fell down. It's an old trick. Yes, I understand that, but uh, how did my throwing the rocket help you? It was all important, my dear fellow. When a woman thinks her home is on fire, her instinct is at once to rush to the thing she values most. A married woman grabs her baby. An unmarried reaches for her jewel box. In this case... Of course, it was the photograph. Well, where was it? In a recess in the living room, just above the right-hand bell pole. I caught a glimpse of it as she half drew it out. When I made it known that the fire was a false alarm, she replaced the photograph. As soon as I was able, I assured her that I was feeling well enough to leave. You didn't take the photograph, then? No, I felt that uh, over-precipitance at this stage might ruin everything. And what do we do now? Drive to the Langham Hotel and inform His Majesty of what has happened. Then return with him here. After that, my dear chap, the case will be ended. <laughs> This is Brownie Lodge now, Your Majesty. Yes, I am all impatience. You're certain this photograph 
will still be there, Mr. Holmes. I have every reason to believe so, Your Majesty. Mm, I, I must confess, uh, this is going to be something of an ordeal. And I suggest that you let me do the talking, Your Majesty. I think I know how to handle the lady. Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I believe. Uh, yes. I am Mr. Holmes. How did you know? My mistress told me that you would be likely to call. She has left for the continent with her husband. You mean she's left England? Never to return. Uh, then the papers and the photograph. Oh, all is lost, Mr. Holmes. We'll soon see. Follow me. She said you'd be looking for something. I hope you find it. This was the bell pole. There's a sliding panel behind it somewhere. Ah, here it is. Uh, is, uh, is the photograph there, Mr. Holmes? There is a photograph, but it's a photograph of the lady alone. Uh, here's a letter, and it's addressed to me. Well, what does it say, Holmes? My dear Mr. Sherlock Holmes, you really did it very well. Until after the fire alarm, I had no suspicion. But then, when I realized how I had betrayed myself, I began to think. I'd been warned that if the king employed an agent, it would certainly be you. May I congratulate you on your disguise as the dear old clergyman? Great Scott, you were far more clever than you thought, Holmes. Uh, yeah, yeah, go on. What else does it say? Uh, let me see. My husband and I both thought that the best recourse was flight. So you will find the nest empty. As to the photograph of the king and yourself, his majesty may rest in peace. Thank goodness for that. I love and am loved by a better man than he. Hmm. I leave another photograph, however that he might care to possess. And I remain, dear Mr. Sherlock Holmes, very truly yours, Irene Norton, nay Adler. What a woman, Watson. What a woman. What a magnificent woman. She fooled me completely. But, uh, oh, I, I'm sorry, Your Majesty. I, I've been unable to bring your business to a more successful conclusion. Uh, on the contrary, my dear sir, nothing could be more successful. I know that Irene's word is inviolate. The incriminating photograph is now as safe as if it were in the fire. I'm glad to hear your majesty say so. I am immensely indebted to you. Now, pray tell me in, in what way I can reward you. This uh, barrel uh, ring that I wear, <laughs> I should be proud Your majesty to... has something that I should um, value even more highly. You have but to name it. This photograph. Irene's photograph? But certainly. However, you must let me give you something more substantial. Oh, no, 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 your majesty. This is a... Uh, Something I shall treasure all my life. This and a golden sovereign I received from the lady's hand. They will remind me that I was once tricked by a woman. A woman that I shall never forget. What a woman that Mrs. Adler. Or should I say Mrs. Norton? Ah, that's the kind of woman I could really go for, Doctor. Yes, you could. Just between ourselves, you know, I sort of, uh, well, uh, I sort of could go, go for her myself. <laughs> she was intelligent. Yes, yeah, she was rich. Beautiful. That's the kind of woman you want sitting next to you in front of a cozy fire on a nippy fall night. Just the three of you. The three of you? Mm-hmm. You, she, and a glass of Petri Port. Miss <laughs> Bartellico. <laughs> Why not? That Petri California Port is some wine. Boy, that Petri family really knows how to make good wine, all right. And no wonder. Look at all the experience they've had. Ever since they started the Petri business way back in the 1800s, the Petri family has handed down from father to son, from father to son, 
the art of selecting perfect, sun-ripened California grapes and making them into clear, fragrant, delicious wine. Those letters, P-E-T-R-I, on the label of every bottle of Petri wine are the personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. It's got to be, because Petri took time to bring you good wine.